Australia is the land of the oligopoly. We have four major banks, two major telcos, two major holding companies for news, and two supermarkets. The problem with oligopolies is that they tend to unconsciously collude and ultimately squeeze their suppliers through their dominant market control. This is a huge problem for Australian farmers and consumers have very little power to affect change. This is the problem that Jordan Pearce is hoping to solve with his business, Farm to Market, empowering consumers to buy directly from the farm and cut out the supermarkets. Welcome to the Fractal Startup Marketing Podcast, the podcast for founders who are frustrated that potential customers do not understand or they undervalue their innovative business solutions. My name is Jared Doyle, and each episode I interview the founders who openly discuss how they're tackling the seven P's of startup marketing. In true startup fashion, we aim to learn through collaboration and discussion. Let's get into the episode. So welcome to the episode, Jordan. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jared. Great to be on your show and yeah, to talk a little bit about farm to market. Well, I mean, that's why we're here and that's what people need to know. So let's set the context of of what we're going to be talking about in the business and you can give us the pitch that is farm to market. Take it away. Great. So farm to market is an online food marketplace that really replicates a farmer's market that you would go to on the weekend where for the fact that it lists a lot of the vendors products that you would see there on the weekend that is available really 24 seven on an online platform for you to be able to browse and find some of your favorite products, favorite local products that you can have delivered to your door. So great. I can imagine that there's a lot of people that must get behind that as an idea and really, really rally behind it. Cause it sounds like it's exactly what the world needs right now. So do you get a lot of positive feedback when you pitch that model? Yeah, absolutely. So particularly with a lot of the the farmers that we've been dealing with, but also with customers, yeah, there's been an amazing amount of positive feedback that have come through from farmers just saying that, you know, they, they're used to only being able to sell their products to limited locations. And the fact that they would have to set up their own online store, they feel like the issues in setting up an online store themselves, they don't actually see the benefit in doing that. So... Yeah, so you're you're taking the the heavy lifting for them, providing the technical platform, payments, etc., so they can focus, I guess, doing on what they do well, which is growing and and raising local produce on their farm, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So, and that's the idea behind it that we we facilitate the trans, online transaction. We also help them with the distribution side of things and help them reach a wider amount of people that consume their produce. So, and the one thing they love the most is the fact that they're getting more money for their produce that they would usually have to send to a distributor and get wholesale rates for. So not only are they getting an easier process for getting their produce to market, they're getting more for their produce, which they love. Right. So just because, you know, like me and I imagine people don't really know how the whole system works. So you talk there about sending it to a distributor or a wholesaler. What, what's the process there for a typical farmer? They So they're not negotiating with Woolworths or end stores or they do do that directly sometimes? Or is, it, or, is it, or is there always like a middleman in between that's setting the price for them? Yeah, that's right. There's usually a middleman in the process. I think Coles and Woolworths definitely deal with some very large farmers directly and they obviously work in a way that supports the 
the supermarkets and what they require to in their stores. The, a local farmer really they don't deal with any big stores at all, and it's very unlikely that they would even deal with a, a local um, fruit and veg store. And they would most likely go through a, a large wholesaler in in the cities or become part of a distributor, which most distributors really just focus on like the hospitality industry, like restaurants and and catering companies and things like that. So the fact that they're being able to talk to people about their produce is not, they love doing that and to be able to spruik the the stuff that they're creating, but they can create value in what they're creating as well. And then a carrot isn't just a carrot, it's a carrot from their farm, farmed under their organic farming conditions, and it becomes more than that. So that's why farmers definitely really like the idea of our platform. Yeah, I must say I was I'm a bit ignorant to that sort of whole process and that the idea that I always imagined, you know, when I when I sort of rally around the idea and I think the why of what your business is is the idea that I want to support farmers and I always sort of feel like, you know, in Australia, Coles or Woolworths or any of the big supermarkets anywhere in the in the world, I get the sense that they're the ones squeezing, but it might actually be a combination of the big supermarket, but it might also be that wholesaler or that, you know, that middleman that actually or middle, you know, company that's the one that could also be putting the pressure on the farmers as well. So we kind of get in, in our minds, me being consumers, that it's it's the big supermarkets that are putting the squeeze on farmers. But I guess you're saying they're going to potential there for them to be squeezed twice. And what you're proposing is that, you know, you sort of cut right around the outside of that and go direct to the consumer. Yeah, that's right. So I guess in any situation, the, the more hands a produce is going to go through, the more people are going to take, you know, a chip off the top. So yeah, the idea is that through farm to market, we just have a standard commission that we take. It doesn't really matter what sort of product that you have, which is 15%. So the farmer knows, and it's very clear and concise about when a farmer is selling produce through our platform. And even to the consumer, what's being taken from the transaction from our side sort of thing. Right. And so, you know, so I can see that's a really compelling story. And, you know, there's been businesses have got into this space as well. There's a few people who have played in this space. I guess for me, part of your selling story is going to be you and and why you do it. So, I mean, what's the catalyst for you, Jordan, being the person who's going to save farmers and give us that direct to farm purchase? What's your origin story as to why you're doing this? Yeah, so really I've got a bit of a background in farming and agriculture through my my family, my father's side, they're all farmers, so everyone with a Pierce name in my family still working and working around a farm. So they're broadacre farmers, so mainly wheat and sheep and other grain, but they go through the same struggles as a as a fruit and vegetable farmer in the fact that they're constantly having to worry about what sort of produce that they get based on the weather and and drought conditions and things like that. And then when they do get their crop off, they really don't have very much control over where they can sell it because there's very limited locations where you can sell meat or grain and things like that. So I guess it's pretty much the same within the fruit and vegetable industry where you have set uh, suppliers and and wholesalers within a particular area. And if you can't sell it yourself, you really, they're your only choice where you can sell them to, your produce to. So basically what I wanted to achieve to alleviate the issues that you're seeing on a farm on an every day 
is really create a platform that gives the control back to the farmer. So I think back when I saw the the milk story that came out where Coles and Woolworths were having a war over the price of milk and the price of a litre of milk, they were bringing it down to a dollar. That basically caused a flow-on effect to a whole bunch of smaller dairy farmers that just couldn't deal with a period of time of taking such a big loss for every time that they send their milk to the distributor. So basically only the bigger dairy farms could weather the period that they were getting such low yield for what their production was. And you know, it was too expensive to close down for a few of them. Well, I guess in a sense, you got a cow that cow needs to be milked, right? It's like you can't not milk a cow or it just sort of, I don't know, probably doesn't explode, but I would imagine it's an extremely unhealthy situation to be in. Absolutely. So it got to the point where, yeah, they, they were losing over months and months and months, losing tens of thousands of dollars. And I see that as just being such an unfair thing where big corporations are controlling the way an industry works and controlling the lives of the livelihoods of farmers. Yeah. So, okay. So that's the problem that you're battling. The battle is the problem that you're solving here is that we ultimately, well, in Australia, particularly, we've got a bit of a duopoly of supermarkets. There's mothers coming in now, but the problem is that these two supermarkets wield far too much power in terms of setting the price and demand and they can cut farmers out. And so that's the proposition you've got. It's the direct-to-market proposition that puts the farmer back in some kind of control. And you're using that same mechanism like, you know, you were saying that local weekend markets, but it's a 24-7 proposition. So that so that is really the problem you're solving. It's not about, I mean, there's other things you solve, I would assume, around you know, it's fresher and I guess consumers are happy to support farmers, but at its core, you're just trying to break down that, I guess, duopoly of supermarket retail. Is that is that the correct way to think about it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, definitely in that fact, but it was a personal thing for me. I really like sourcing really good, amazing produce from farmers markets and things like that. But the biggest issue is they're only open for a few hours per week. So, and there's limited supply. There's not every farmer there every weekend because they they have other things that they have to deal with on a regular basis. So it's challenging for them to put all their produce in a truck and get to where they need to get to and then put it out for sale for three or four hours a week, not knowing if they're going to sell a whole bunch of produce. And it's really giving them the ability to be able to have people purchase from them at any time, at any time during the week. So for me, the idea of setting up the platform was the fact that I really like to have amazing produce sourced whenever I can. And I don't want to have to go down to the supermarket and buy bananas or apples that have been sitting in cold storage for months at a time. So I really understand. See, that's that's interesting because that's, I mean, that's a different problem. And so, you know, all of the two problems are related. So you've got an interesting situation, right? So you've got a marketplace talking to lots of marketplaces at the moment. It's a desirable thing. A two-sided marketplace is desirable for people to go into because it it can explode, but it can also be hard to do. And I say that because, look, you know, we started talking about a problem for farmers as a farmer-based problem. And then there's a consumer problem because consumers want to buy products directly from farms and they want to get it fresher as well. And I just wonder, in terms of your primary problem that you're solving, if your customer, if I've understood it correctly, if your customer is, like your customer who pays you, is ultimately, the shopper, the consumer, me, 
then I guess it makes sense that the primary problem you're solving is actually focused around me being the consumer and the farmer actually being, I guess, the product side of your two-sided marketplace. So in that sense, that second problem that you articulated, which is the desire people have to support farmers, whilst being intrinsically the same problem is just a different way of looking at it. And so you know, I'd hazard a guess that the real problem that farm to market solves or the primary problem that farm to market solves is for the consumer because that's your customer. That's where you make your money. And the problem they've got is they don't have any choice. They're sitting there saying, I would shop at farmers markets all the time if they were easier to get to because, you know, you got to travel and two, they were there all the time, but they're not. Therefore, I end up, you know, one of the majors. So, you know, I don't know if I've, if I've articulated that correctly, but I think for me, one of the things I always think about in a marketplace is who's the customer and who's the product. And I guess in your sense, the product actually is the farmer. And so, you know, you can stack them high, so to speak. And then if your customer is the consumer, then it makes sense that the primary problem you're solving is giving them access to the farms, not the farmers' access to the customers. Does that make sense? Have I have I got that right, or is it a, is it more confusing than that? Absolutely, Jared. It is. It is. So there is always two two problems to solve in a double ended marketplace, and ultimately, you know, our customers are the consumers of the food. Yeah, and that is absolutely the probably the largest larger problem that we are trying to solve. So. Because the demand is is really there. When you look at some of the the issues have happened with large supply chain networks, where you have the strawberry issue that happened earlier this year, where there were some pins found in strawberry products that were then found in supermarkets, it ended up having a flow on effect where basically that whole supply chain in a whole state had to be you know redone, and all strawberries within that supply chain really had to get dumped. So where you create the network between and we give access directly to farmers for customers, there's traceability back to where you're actually, your actual orange or your strawberry is being produced. So, And that's obviously, that's the promise you've got to make to those customers is that you are buying direct from a farmer. The farmer gets the money directly. It's traceable. It's trackable. Here's who the farmer is. And that, that's kind of clear. That's, you know, when I look at the farm to market website, that's that's the bit that comes out. It says, hey, here is the farmer or here is the producer. Here's their picture or here's their name. Here's their story. And so I guess that's the promise is that you're sort of saying, hey, I'm going to be really clear and transparent and pass that through. I guess my only fear with that, and, you know, I think if you can deliver on that promise, people will be happy. I guess the question is, whenever you get marketplaces, there's always that fear around leakage and leakage being, you know, what stops someone from from going direct. So, you know, if I buy strawberries off a farmer directly, what stops me from going direct the second time and sort of cutting sort of farm to market completely out of the business model there? Yeah. So although the way we get around that is create an amazing platform that people really want to use, that they see the value in us validating the farmer's certifications that be organic or biodynamic or you know the trust is in the farmer but it's also in farm to market us giving the stamp of approval for that particular farmer on the other end of the the marketplace is that we create the system to be so easy to use for the farmer that they siphon people back through our platform so that's interesting. So that potentially jumps into you know, my final P, which is propagation. That's that idea that that a farmer might actually say, hey, if you want to buy my produce, then the easiest way to do it is through farm to market. I mean, have you have you seen that happen? Have farmers started referring business to you? Yeah, absolutely. 
And with a lot of the farmers that we do have, they don't tend to have their own online store or whatever. They would absolutely refer people through our online platform because it's easy to select what you want in your box or it's easy to find where a particular farmer delivers to because ultimately when you sign up to our platform you put in your postcode if you can see a farmer on the platform they can deliver to you so it's as easy as that there's no ruffling around to try and find where they what the delivery areas are or it's all there available straight away once you once you see the vendor's profile but you know from from a growth point of view it's an exciting proposition to think that you know, customers find farmers, farmers get excited about that, and then they actually supply the model back in itself. It's, it's, it's sort of a, you know, if it works, it's a model that'll grow itself in the sense that it's easier for farmers to refer customers farm to market. And those, far, those same customers become customers of other farmers and the whole network effect starts to take off. So that's, I guess that's the holy grail. Absolutely. And we've already had farmers refer other farmers to get onto the platform and we've, we've mm. grown through that way as well. So oh, I can imagine, I can imagine the farmer side of it. Yeah. That, I can see that being logical. It's kind of like, Hey, here's somewhere where we can sell direct, get a better margin, control our own destiny. It's like, yeah, cool. Sign me up. But the super exciting thing is the idea that farmers refer their customers or potential customers and saying hey we don't re- you can't you know you can't just turn up to our strawberry farm and buy four dollars worth of strawberries but you can't buy it through farm to market so yeah well they'd much prefer that that way anyway because we first of all we don't we don't take a margin that's inhibitive mm. and it's they're usually in the farm and they want to be able to focus on what they're doing and when they do put together orders they want it to be in one place and they have a list of things what they need to put into their boxes and have a list of the customers that need to supply to. And we give them all that. So they're not getting calls at any hour during the day. They just get to the Thursday when their packing day is and they deliver on a Friday or whatever they, and they know what they need to supply. So we, we take all of that complexity away from them so they can focus on what they do best. And that's creating great produce. And going back to the consumer side and, and your customers, what do they look like at the moment? What's the persona makeup of a of a typical farm to market customer? You know, how old are they? Where do they live? What do they like? What do they wear? Is it or do they look almost exactly like the people I'm gonna see down at, you know, the local barden or you know, markets, farmers markets that I go to? Is it exactly the same demographic? It won't be exactly the same. I think the people that are purchasing from us tend to be mums that have one or more kids that have school sport on the weekend that really care about what their family are eating, love to get to the farmer's market, but just can't make it there on a regular basis. So they're ordering boxes from us and just being in the area that we're in on the Gold Coast, that we're getting a lot of retirees and things like that, that it's the same thing. They'd like to get down to the farmer's market, but they're enjoying their life. So if we can bring the farmer's market to them, they really appreciate it. So That makes a lot of sense. I think it's, it's in clear in my mind, this idea that the real problem is that people would shop direct they would go to farmers markets but it's entirely inefficient if, yeah like you said you've got kids i've got saturday morning sports and you know we we spend the whole saturday morning driving between netball and soccer so if the markets are on a saturday that's it i've missed it i can't go so that's right yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense so it's people would go to farmers markets by choice but for some reason can't that's the ideal customer and that's who we're dragging through so 
Brilliant. So thinking about then, okay, so we're thinking about what, what's existing in the market. So how do you position then farm to market? Like how do you articulate to people? And we've kind of already done it, but so I guess on one hand, we're looking at you've got Woolworths and Coles and Aldi, et cetera. So that's one end and your proposition is by direct from farmers. And, you know, so, you know, the other side is to go to farmers markets. So you've got sort of a convenience versus a supporting farmer. The other side, I guess, well, it's like convenience, but then it's interesting because you've also got delivery, right? So, you know, Coles and Woolies will do delivery and that's super convenient. So I guess what, what are the key variables that you look at when you're trying to compare or position yourself in a market so someone absolutely understands what you're doing? Yeah, I think it's really we're focusing on providing that farmer's market experience. So people that really appreciate fresh, nutritious produce, particularly organic, a lot of our farmers are, that want the convenience of having it turn up to their door. I think there's a lot of people that are, are very time poor and the more we engage people in and around the city of Gold Coast, they're really keen to to get on board with what we're, we're doing. So. Yeah. And do you think it's a bigger driving factor, the, the kind of support a farmer and buy local, like that, that sort of altruistic approach? Or do you think it's more the fret, like the organic and the freshness and, and, the, and the lack of sort of the speed to your plate, I guess? Which of those factors is more important to those customers? I think there's definitely an element of supporting farmers and we're definitely getting feedback through our social media channels and things like that, that re- people really appreciate, you know, the fact that the way our platform exists and how we connect people directly. But with people purchasing, it's really about convenience and getting that produce that they know when it comes from the farmer, it tastes better, it's crisper, you know where the produce is coming from and you know that there's going to be quality. Yeah, so that I guess in that sense, it's, okay, I'm buying for me because it's better. It's, yeah, I can see it. It's trackable. I understand all the, the freshness, the taste, the flavor, all those elements. And then the, I guess the post-purchase rationalization is, and I've supported a farmer, which makes me feel good. So after I've already made my decision what I'm going to do for me, post-purchase, I also get to support farmers. That's great. You know, so it's kind of like supporting a farmer is probably not a primary driver driver for most of your customers, but it's a really nice post-purchase rationalization for the decision that you've already made. Is that, is that a fair summary? Well, without a doubt, yeah. So people, they they decide based on their, their stomachs and what makes them feel better, <laughs> really. So Yeah. And look, I think that's true of, of so many businesses is that there's confusion over like primary decision-making things. You know, why did I choose something? And then how do I rationalize it afterwards? So it's kind of like, I choose for myself for probably slightly selfish reasons. You know, it's much more about what's in it for me. But if I can get the nice feel-good feeling afterwards, that helps me come back a second time. And I think if you've got that mix right, then that's fantastic. You know, that's it might not be, you know, any other product. I might not buy a car because it's got 16 airbags, but I like talking about it afterwards because it rationalizes why I maybe bought a car that wasn't entirely rational the first time. So yeah, yeah that makes a huge amount of sense. So I guess lastly, Jordan, just thinking about finding customers and how you go about doing that. I mean, it's going to be difficult because you're up against some pretty significant marketing budgets from the majors. So how are you going to get your message out there to these farmers market customers who are time poor? I'd imagine that's a hard persona to actually find with your marketing. Yeah, it is. But what we'll do to 
really connect with people that are looking for that type of produce is that we'll connect it via social media. So we'll really look at influencers that have a strong food focus and connect with them. So we create some exposure with their followers and and have a flow on effect. And we'll we'll look at working with the farmers themselves. So there'll be you know, word of mouth is amazing. And particularly with a lot of these farmers markets, if you do go to them, there is an element of the same people turning up all the time, but there's a lot of people that are coming there and asking the question to the farmers market stall holders saying, oh, where can I buy this if I don't come to the farmers market this week or next week or the week after? And we're going to give them the platform and the ability to say, you can source it on farm to market. So if you can't find it in a supermarket or if you're looking for something that's a little bit more bespoke or you're looking for something that's fresher than you can get anywhere else, you'll be able to find it at farm to market. Yeah. So that I guess if I was going to summarize that in my head, what you've said is it's kind of like hustle really hard to start with, build a customer base and then bake that propagation into your proposition so that it you know, effectively people sort of the farmers themselves and other customers refer it around. And it feels to me like the farmers referring customers is going to be absolutely key because, you know, you don't want to go out dollar for dollar with TV advertising. So you've got to, you've really got to sell it to the farmers so that they grow the business, I guess, grow the business for you. And, you know, and they look at it, it's not going to get rid of, you know, the farmer's markets. I mean, if I can go to a farmer's market, buy the same product, pick it out exactly as I want, choose exactly the dozen carrots that I want and, you know, the farmer's going to get 15% more, that's going to continue to happen. But as our lives get busier, as we are, you know, sick, unwell, unable to get there, that's the market that starts to pick up for you. So yeah, it'd be really good. And in terms of like, I guess the hustle, how do you, how are you hustling those, those first people at the moment? Is it just getting out and about? Is it social media? Is it emailing, calling? How are you sort of hustling those first, first customers into the platform? Yeah, so we're using our social media channels to grow our impressions and our followers through some online advertising. And then we're getting out there and meeting with farmers and we're looking at partnering with them to be able to target their followers as well. So using some really influential local farmer groups or associations to then get on board with what they're doing and then grow our supporter base. So we are also, we've spent a bit of time in engaging with local media to expose our our platform and get a following through the local community which we've had a really good response so we've we've had a little article in the or a large article i should say in the gold coast bulletin yeah (laughs) selling yourself short there we did get onto the the seven news last weekend and yeah i think all news outlets because it is a really nice idea and the fact that we are supporting farmers and People are happy to do that. It's a new idea that not really any other company's done in this structure before. A lot of different media outlets are keen to get on board and, and share the message. So which is really great. Yeah. Well, I think I think right from the start, you know, it's really clear. It's a really easy business to get behind sort of emotionally. You sort of see the vision. You go, yeah, that's something I really want to get behind. That's something I want to see succeed. So, you know, I guess from my side, best of luck with the execution and distribution, because if you get that bit right, then I think you have plenty of people jumping on board for the journey. So if there are people who want to check out Farm to Market, I'm assuming the website's the best place to go and get started from there. Yeah, absolutely. Jump on board, put in your your postcode to to then signify your location, add in your email and 
password and and then you'll get access to the the vendors that can supply you directly that are in your area so there's there's a little bit of a hurdle to get through and then you can see what's available in your area to see what's going to work and i guess just for the you know we'll put the link into the show notes but it's farm2market.com.au and that's with the number two in the middle of it that's correct that's correct right yeah that's the one and if we've got people that want to you know help you out or connect or even i don't know i couldn't imagine there's many farmers who are going to listen to the podcast but if they were and they wanted to connect directly with you jordan or help out in some way what's the best way to find you online yeah so you can find me via my linkedin account just linkedin jordan g pierce or give us an email shoot us an email at contact at farm to market.com.au great well, Jordan, look, thank you so much for coming on and, and being open and, and honest and sharing, you know, your advice and your tips and your journey so far. I think, like I said, you know, there's a clear dual benefit here if you get it away. I can see people really aligning to the vision and the mission that you've articulated. So look, best of luck with engaging with those customers and, and delivering on the promise. I think if you can do it, it's going to be fantastic. But thanks for your time and I've really enjoyed it. Thanks, Jared. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, I really appreciate the advice and exposure and yeah, looking forward to the future and beyond. (laughs) No problem, mate. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope we were able to provide you with some great marketing ideas that will really help your business. As always, if you'd like to support me and the show, just jump onto iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate and review. Those reviews really make a difference and help me reach a broader audience. If you'd like to connect, the best way to find me, of course, is on LinkedIn, following me on social media, or just connecting. And if you've got ideas for future episodes or you're a marketer and you would like to appear in a future episode, just hit me up on LinkedIn as well. I'd be happy to have a chat. Thanks a lot, and I look forward to speaking with you next week.